This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Lesson 35 of Equine Clicker 101 Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. Help! My horse won't stop diving for grass. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the classroom to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. They are Via Nova Training and Cavalier Feed. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about a common problem, especially in the springtime, which it is right now for us, is diving for grass. Horses diving for grass, they see it, it's novel, it's new, understanding why they do it, and then some ideas of what we could do about it are the things we'll be discussing this week on our, our, our lessons. Okay, one of the things that people ask me all the time is where do I buy clickers? Where do I buy a side bucket? Where might I get a target? Well, I want a book. I want video. All all of the things that you might want or just perhaps maybe more information. You can find all of those things at my website. You can go to shawnacarish.com. S-H-A-W-N-A-K-A-R-R-A-S-C-H. That will take you not only to... Uh, finding my website, but also to the Via Nova website. And Via Nova has workshops and we go out on the road and we have a lot going on here. In fact, why don't we learn a little bit more about Via Nova? At Via Nova, our mission is to bring awareness of positive reinforcement training to the mainstream equestrian world from the top competitors to the casual enthusiast. It helps to create happy horses and ultimately improves the athletic performance. So if you are performing with your horse, it can help you to have a happy athlete or it can have you a happy trail horse, whichever you want. It creates a unique bond with your horse and it can be used to help save some behavioral issues on the ground or even under saddle. As I said, I'm based out of there and I have the expertise and experience that can help bring you to the next stage of the game. Also, Via Nova offers coaching and education and positive reinforcement that enhances any training program. And we're based in lovely Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it's a great place to come for workshops or positive reinforcement, but also enjoy the Southwest scenery shopping and dining. And boy, do we have good dining. Visit vianovatraining.com and you can sign up for our newsletter and you can stay abreast of what's going on out here via Nova. All righty, folks, today we talk about diving for grass. Now, this is a problem we see it all the time. It, it, it's just it, horses die for grass and springtime makes it a little harder for people. So, and particularly in places where maybe you don't have much grass anyway. So this is a challenge for people all over the world. We have horses that start feeling the challenge of springtime. And now that it is spring, they've been kind of dealing with not having enough grass. I mean, you know, horses, the grass has gone dormant. It hasn't been the rich green spring grass that comes out is so enticing. Or I live in um, New Mexico. And so in, in New Mexico, any time of year, we don't have very much grass. So if they see a patch of grass, even things that, well, maybe aren't really grass or that looking very 
scrumptious, but they will, they will really want to die for the grass. It's more than just wanting the grass. The grass has its own component. It's, it's nice. It's rich. It's soft. It's tender. It's spring grass has got to be the best for them in addition to it being novel and new, but it also is grazing it is a part of their genetics. It's part of their DNA. They are hardwired to graze. So the act of grazing is not only to get grass, but that constant grazing all the time is something that just feels so right when they start to do it. So we really are, are climbing up a hill when we're dealing with trying to deal with the grass. So we have some tools and things we're going to discuss and ways that we can get around it so we can help to change uh, how we can get through the grass, work on the grass, around the grass, walk by a patch of grass without feeling like we're 10 years old and have a pony on the end of our lead rope. <laughs> Cause that's how it can feel sometimes. So, um, and so what we got to do is first think about what are they doing? We kind of talked about it. They're getting something that they want. That's the first thing. The grass is quite valuable. It's quite tasty. It is a strong appetitive, as we would call it, the behavior world. And it is also the grazing being part of it. So as I talk about the grazing being part of it, I want to be sure that we think about trying to have forage available for our horses as much as we possibly can so that we we don't always have the privilege like here in New Mexico we don't have the privilege of having our grass our horses on grass any time of the year you know in most places in New Mexico so we don't have the privilege of having them on grass ever so it is pretty novel and new here so it's really important i know in my world that i can provide forage so we have forage available all the time so they have that sensation of grazing and constantly foraging for food so what i need to do here my little murray he is he's a thoroughbred you think of them as rather lean he's a little prone to fat pads <laughs> you know so so i can't i have to kind of monitor a little bit so i give him a uh, not low quality, but I don't give him a richer feet, um, hay. I give him a hay that I can give a grass hay that he can have lots of. And then I also put it in a slow feeder. So there's, you know, some people talk about hay nets. There could be some issues with hay nets and the muscles and getting their head down. And there can be some different ideas for different things. But one of the things I find porta grazer is an amazing tool. And so he gets his hay in a porta grazer, which slows him down. It becomes a bit of a puzzle. It invites a little bit of environmental enrichment, but it can provide him with forage for a lot more of the day. So I think that that is really an important component to consider when you're looking at your horse's overall well-being. Okay. So that, that aside, that's just kind of food for thought and how I, I want the, the horses to be as similar to meeting their needs as I can. So that's where that comes from. All right. So now I'm going to tell you a story, first of all, that will, it, it's going to cover a lot of the points in there. And I think it will give you some ideas of how I dealt with a really, a horse who was really diving for grass. It was my horse Bugs. A bug sadly is no longer with us. He died suddenly in his sleep a couple years ago and I miss him a lot, but he, at one point he colicked. And he, it was a pretty bad yet 
you know, as the vets go, it was a little bit of an unusual colic. We couldn't tell exactly what it was and what it was about. So we had to deal with it a little bit different. He got hospitalized. He goes to the hospital. He ended up, um, he was there for a few days and then he came back and then he got a thrombosis and he had to go on some other medication, which was uh, kind of irritating to his lower intestine, which he had an inflamed lower intestine through this process that seemed to be the cause of the colic. It was just a big deal. But the, the long and short of it is when he went back into the hospital, cause he had to go back in shortly after because the thrombosis medication was a little hard on his system, but it saved his life. So it was the lesser of two evils. But when we got there, what he, they decided to do with him, he couldn't have any grain at, well, he could have grain. He could have moistened, uh, senior feed. And he could have some, he couldn't have a ton of it. So he, while he was in the hospital, was on a pretty good diet while we waited for the inflammation to go down in his lower intestines. He couldn't have any hay at all. So all he could have was the, uh, all he could have was the grass or he could have the senior feed and he could have grass at the hospital where we were at that point, it was Northern California. They had planted grass because even in that area, it doesn't, it doesn't typically just grow on its own. It has to be pretty cultured and we don't have much, uh, we didn't have a lot of water to do that. So again, I lived in a place where you didn't have tons of grass. So the vet clinic had grown some grass for situations, one, so they could have grassy paddocks, but in his situation, it was for him to be able to have some grass. So he could go out four times a day for 10 minutes of grazing a day. And then everything else was the moistened senior feed while he was going through his hospital stay. And that was, like I said, to deal with the inflammation in his lower intestine so he could get better. So, okay, they, I, I then asked one day, I said, so how is it going taking him out for grass, you know, four times a day for 10 minutes a day? Because no horse that's on a diet, and he lived in Southern California, then Northern California, really, he wasn't subject to, to a lot of grass. So I said, so how is that going? And they said, well, you know, like you'd expect, which like most every horse, it was really hard to get him off the grass. So I decided being the behavior person that I am, that I was going to address this. So I took him out to the grass and knowing that the grass is going to be uber valuable. And yet every time people lifted his head up, it was to tug and pull him away from the grass. Your time is done. So the, the, the lifting the head or pulling him off of the grass or asking him to lift his head signaled, this is the end of the grass to, for, you know, hours and hours. So clearly he, he didn't want to leave the grass. He fought for everything he could to keep grazing on the grass like a good pony would. Now he's giant. So he's 16, three, he's not a little horse. And so he was so that was a challenge. So I go there and just like they said, now, as much as I try to not do things by pulling and tugging in this situation, you could not get his head up any other way. So this is what I set out to do. So I decide at like a minute that I'm going to say, okay, that's enough. Maybe it's two minutes. That's enough. When he had a pretty good run and he had a pretty full mouth, I pulled his head up with everything I had in me. 
And as soon as I felt like, and you can feel him fighting, you can feel him fighting, you can feel him fighting. And then as soon as I could feel he softened for that second said, okay, I pointed him right back to the grass. So what I did, his action of taking his head off the grass didn't end like he thought it would, which meant we're done. You're going home. That's all there is to it. Instead, it what it meant. I just going to point. I'm just asking you to lift your head and I'm going to point you right back down so that he started to learn. Oh, the raising my head doesn't predict the end of my session. So I'm not going to fight so hard to not raise my head. Now I'm going to tell you, I did try taking a target out with me since he was very good at the target, very strong at the target. But at this point in time, he had already had a pretty strong, uh, he had a pretty strong history in the recent, you know, week of not being able to leave the grass. So he, he didn't want to lift his head and a target wasn't going to do it. He was desperate for the extra food and to have the grass and the grazing. So I, just continued on this. And so I would lift his head up again. I'd point it right back down. Then I'd lift his head up again. I'd take one step and then point him right back down. Then what I started doing is I started noticing what kind of food are you choosing in this grass? You know, you can find, do you like the tall blades? Do you like the clover part? Do you like whatever, you know, he was finding, I would notice what part he seemed to prefer. And then I would start looking around to see it and I would start lifting his head and walking him to another new patch of that stuff that he liked. So now I've got him where he'll lift his head, he'll walk with me, and then he knows he's going to get pointed back down. So it went from having to brace my legs, plant my feet, and pull up with two hands and all my weight till I could just lightly say, head up. And he and I started putting a cue for I would say head up and he would and it would be just with the little tactile cue because that's what the worker, the you know, the the vet techs were going to do with him. They were going to be using the lead rope. So I thought I need the lead rope to be a thing for you. And so I got it where I could say head up and we'd walk a couple feet and head back down and walk a couple feet, then head back down, walk a couple feet, head back down. Pretty soon that I could just. I would just the lightest little pressure on the lead rope and he would lift his head up and look to me like, what are we doing? Where are we going? We're going someplace good. So in a way I was taking what was really important to him and saying, you got this. I'm, I'm going to give you more of this. I'm not going to take this away from you. I just going to find you better stuff. And so he would just lift and move and we'd walk somewhere else. And so the biggest thing I did there was really breaking up the predictability of lifting your head up means the end of all of the fun. Then what I did, I started asking him to lift his head up. Then I'd walk to the concrete, which the concrete was the path up to go to back up to the, the clinic. And as soon as we'd get there, I'd make a U-turn and come back and say, here we go. And when that was going good, then I'd walk a few feet up and then I would come back and make a, uh, take him back to the grass. And then I'd walk halfway to the clinic, then I'd come back and take him to the grass. And then I'd take him up. So sometimes I took him up, sometimes I took him back, sometimes. So now the concrete, because in the beginning then, you he started to realize, okay, because I couldn't work this all in one day. So I got him so he's better in the first couple of days. And then he started getting the idea, oh, it's when I get to the concrete that 
all my fun is over. But once we're on the concrete, I kind of have an advantage because the grass isn't so easy to get to. So sometimes you could clear it there, but I wanted to make sure the concrete also didn't predict, you know, that I need to go, that it's the end of it. So I started making it. Sometimes I go further, sometimes less, sometimes there, sometimes all the way up, sometimes all the way back down and keeping track of how much grass he could eat in that time. And as he went on, he got to eat a little bit more, which was an advantage because it gave me kind of longer training sessions, essentially. So you can see how I changed uh, what was important to him or what the predictors were that he had learned in the, this past, you know, week before I kind of intervened in here and, and it, it changed everything. And I would keep checking in with the, the, the vet techs and say, how did, how is he doing? How's it going? And he would be really good for them. And it really resolved the problem with him. So that was a very simple way that I kind of was forced to deal with this early on and how to help him get into a better place. So you can see there's some solutions in there and making it, it more, uh, more aware of the solutions, but we're coming up to our time of year here. Our grass is growing. I mean, the little bits that we have, we have, it kind of grows oddly around the arena. It grows in weird places. So, so sometimes it's even catches you more off guard because you're not thinking, oh, there's grass. And all of a sudden they see some sprigs of green and they're diving for the grass. So we are at that time of year where we kind of, this becomes a challenge again and trying to help them to get better. There's another piece that I do in here that I do uh, quite often that I didn't do with Bugsy because I wouldn't get to, I just didn't get to the grass first. We go down there together. But now what I also do is I will put two side buckets on me. One has the most appetizing favorite treats ever in it. So it might be you know, seniors always want a food that a lot of horses like, but I'll find one that they like. A lot of times I use hay pellets, but in this situation, I'm going to use a little bit more exciting because I'm dealing with a very exciting, you know, food for him right now. And then I'll put some treats in it or put some carrots in it, some apples in it. But the other side bucket, I go and I pick grass. So I pick, uh, I cram that side bucket full of grass. So at least I have grass to offer him when he looks to me. So is the grazing a part of it? Yes, it is. But at least I have the green, novel, fun grass to offer him as well. So at this time of year, I have a real tendency to want to use grass and offer grass in addition to, uh, in addition to other very appetitive, exciting, favorite, high-value treats. So when I am working sessions, I still go out and do sessions and we walk by areas that have grass and they have all learned how to, to get people to get them over there. They're also taken in and out by the guys a fair share. And sometimes, you know, they're not as, they're not their training people where they're thinking, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to pay attention. They can sometimes get away with that. So it get, does get reinforced in between the training sessions. So what I'm going to do in a little bit, I am going to work my little Mr. Murray about walking by areas that are starting with the grass. So one of the things we're going to do to start when we first walk with it, so hopefully in your area, you have some grass and we can go deal with that today. And, and you know what? At this time of year, it doesn't even have to be much grass for them to see it and recognize it and want to go to it. But the 
So as we first start walking by it, I'm not going to take Murray right next to the grass where it's going to be overwhelming and it's going to create an incorrect response. Instead, I'm going to take him a little bit further away where I can remember to help set him up for success. How can I get something worth reinforcing? So if I can get him to pass successfully by the grass, it gives me something to click and feed, feed some of my grass as well as feed some of my other stuff. And then I can get closer and closer and closer. But in that process, I'm building up a stronger reinforcement history with the behavior that I want to see more of versus uh, having to correct the behavior I'm not looking for. So those are some really basics that we're going to work out. It's a very simple process and you can, I, I, if you have a lot of grass or if you wish to, you can go either way about it. I have a tendency to just, when I'm leading, I want you leading with me. I will point you to the grass when I'm ready. So I don't have a head up cue. I kind of use prevention. I find to be the best way to go, but there's certain horses. I think that it is also quite beneficial to have a head up cue. So you can at least ask them to lift their head up. Like with bugs, bugs, it was just a little pressure. And that's what, uh, just a little, not pressure that consistent pressure. It's not pressure that stays there. It's not pressure release. It's just a tactile cue in that the, the lead rope goes a little tink and then right back down. And, but as I tink that they should lift their head up and look to me. So that is something that is, to me is very organic and something that will work for the guys that are out there and may do that kind of instinctively, uh, it, it, without really knowing how I trained it. I dot a lot of times want to train cues that are going to kind of dovetail into tr to traditional horse handling. So that is where I pick that cue to do. So you can teach that cue as well, or you can teach, uh, you know, two fingers raised to the air or, you know, you, you know, whatever you want to do, you can use different cues to have a head up cue, which can also help to strengthen that lifting your head up also means we may be taking the head back down. So that I think is kind of straight up. We know, we know why we want to do it. We want them to focus on us more than we want them to focus on the grass. We want them to trust that we know what is valuable to them and we will take them to what is valuable to them. This is something you've heard me talk about in other lessons that we've had is that I look, I pay close attention. What does my horse find reinforcing and what my ho horse finds reinforcing? I want to bring that into our training but I want it to be at my initiative, not theirs. Grass and grazing is a big one. So it's a time of year where I have a great opportunity to get them to utilize a reinforcement they have there. I have another reinforcement that I don't have in the middle of the winter time. So it is, it's a nice time to do that. And I think it does a lot for building our relationship as I can start to observe and notice that, oh, he likes to play with the ball. He likes to graze. He likes to be turned out. He likes quiet time. He likes scratches on his withers. He likes, I can utilize each of those things and it gives me more information about my horse. So I think this is pretty straight up. I want you to think for a minute about where is it that, and you may have to think to, to last year, it may not even be that it's kind of crept back in yet. 
it could be that it has crept in already because it's crept in around here, but figure out where is that place where the grass tends to be the biggest lure? Where does it make them the most excited? Where do they, they get kind of wanting to dive at the grass? Where have been those areas that have been challenging? Because I want you to be able to eventually be able to walk straight over the grass without them stopping to eat the grass unless you give them the cue to do it. So think about where that might be because that's probably going to be the best place to start your training. For some places, I know around here too, sometimes it's simply the grass that's coming under the fence around the arena, you know, or the, so anyway, think about those things where we can go work your horse on this particular behavior, get your pieces together. If you can get two side buckets or bum bags or whatever you're using and have one with your regular high value reinforcement, even higher than you may normally use. Um, and again, staying within their diet. And then in addition to that, you may also, I would suggest getting uh, a, a bum bag or a side bucket full of grass. So you have both of them at your discretion to use as we do this little training session to teach manners around the grass. Okay. So go get ready, get your little pieces in order, and I will meet you back here in a few minutes. All righty. Here we are. As I said, I got Murray with me today. Murray is really a horse who is interested in grazing. And he is also, he tends to be, this is just a little side note. He tends to be a bit of a nervous eater. So he is the type that will, sometimes if he gets nervous, he'll want to go dive for grass or hay as a, a kind of a coping mechanism. So, um, so sometimes he can want to go there a little extra if he gets startled or something. So it's important for me to recognize that and know that he is a little prone to the, to the grass diving. And, and you know what, frankly, if I felt like it was a coping mechanism, like he got really startled, I wouldn't correct him from that. I would ask him to kind of go back into our our pattern that we're going to reestablish today. I'm going to tell you, I established this pattern with him last year. I mean, we went through these exercises the past two years, but last year was we had more grass around. And so this isn't all brand new to him, but right now the grass is going to be extra exciting because it's novel and new and, oh my gosh, I haven't seen this in forever. And then also it is, uh, he's forgotten. You know, this isn't something we practice in, in, in a while now. So I think it's important that I, I kind of go there before I, before we go there together, I kind of have seen it happening off with different places and people. So I want to go, okay, I want to be sure that we address and have a nice constructive way to deal with this before it gets irritating. <laughs> All right. So here we go. So I go start off like I normally do. My grass is probably like 60 feet away from me right now. So I didn't want to go right up to the trouble spot or the challenging spot where he's, he's feeling like I really want that. And I'm feeling, no, no, I need you to stay here. I see that it's off. I want to be sure before I even start kind of dealing with this, that I have got him in a place where he's connected with me, that he's showing me he, he's excited and interested in the session. He's paying attention to the things I'm doing. So 
And, and this is also an important note that I will do first. We are going to walk by the grass the first time with me between him and the grass. So I can kind of, it's a nice buffer that I can do. They can start to say, yes, I know that you see the grass, but I am here first. I'm going to reinforce him for walking by, but being with me, walking by, but being with me. And I will give him grass from my side bucket versus letting him go dive on the grass at first. So I may get further in my session and you may get in your session because this isn't all brand new for him. So I'm going to start, I'm asking him to stand next to me and keep his head to himself. And that's perfect. And I click and I feed him. That's just kind of where we start things. And he's on a halter and lead rope. This isn't a place to have him at liberty since the whole one, he would just go probably see the grass and start a grazing session on his own. And the other thing is he is, this is 50 acres with other people riding and doing stuff. It's safety is, is not, it is not safe to just have him at liberty here. Now, also before we get started a little bit, I'm going to also say I would regularly work my horses doing training sessions on grass. And that wasn't a problem when we were back East, particularly because we had grass everywhere. Grass was abundant. Grass wasn't novel. Grass was there probably eight months out of the year. We had really pretty good grass. So it wasn't quite the, even in the winter time, they're grazing on something, you know, it was still grassy, but it was not quite the lush grass that we have now. So you could, I could turn them out for an hour. They could graze and graze and graze and graze and no big deal. When I came out, I was now novel. The grass wasn't. But in my situation, and a lot of people's situation, you don't necessarily have all that time on the grass where they can, uh, they can just spend that time and have it kind of wear out its welcome, as it were. And one other thing I'm going to add in, you're being good boy, Murray. I'm going to click and feed him again, because we're just standing here and I'm talking with you. So really what we're working on is just standing quietly together. And he is doing, he's just doing a good job. It's always something I want to maintain. So as we are walking along and I kind of reinforce him at a lower rate of reinforcement right now because the grass is still probably 20 feet off. And what I'm doing, I'm using just the grain, not the extra special treats that are mixed in the grain and not the grass yet. Okay. As we get closer, I am. Okay. So now we are 10 feet off from the grass, but right next to the grass. My grass runs for about 50 feet. So I am clicking and I'm feeding grass as we keep walking. Now I'm not asking him to stop right yet because he will eat and walk. So if we can keep walking and eating, it lets us have some pass bys before we have, uh, before standing there and him getting a little extra pig eyed with it. So that was good. And we have now passed the grass. So that was good. I'm going to give him a couple good reinforcers. I'm going to give him a piece of apple and I'm giving him a couple pieces of carrot. And that was because he successfully passed it all the way through. So I gave him some grass as we we're passing by it. And I gave him some grass as we passed it. But now I'm giving him like a little jackpot, you know, a little magnitude reinforcement for him to say, oh, get on the other side of it and you get more good stuff so that he can think, oh, well, let's get past the grass because I get even more exciting things. 
Okay, so that was great. Now what we're going to do is we're going to make a U-turn. Now he is closer to the grass and I had me at 10 feet from the grass. This time it's going to be him at about 10 feet from the grass. So I'm a little bit further than he was, but he, so he's kind of walking in my tracks. I'm kind of walking in his tracks. So I have chosen 10 feet. It's not a magic number for horses. It's a number that I felt like, I think you are going to succeed here. And I would rather err on the side of extra successful, being conservative and being sure that I, I got him set up for success than getting too close and going, oh, it would have been better if I were further apart. So I feel like 10 feet is, I feel pretty assured that we can walk at 10 feet and he will stay focused on me without being too tempted by the grass. Okay. There we go. And now we are going to, I just reinforced him and here we go. We're walking on. So now we're about five feet out from the grass. Now we weren't too far away and I kind of reinforced for walking. I've shifted from just grain to now grass as we continue to walk through. Now this is definitely a place I don't want to stop because if I stop again, it may be too, too enticing for him. This way I kind of help set it up for success. So that was fantastic. And so we're on the other side of that now, and I'm giving him some, some of the more exciting things in addition to some grass. Alrighty. So now we're going to make another pass back by, we just kind of made a loop here and now I'm going to, I feel pretty like he's pretty focused. I'm going to have me five feet this time. So five feet is getting a lot closer to to the grass, but I'm still in between because this is the next pass. And here we go. We're walking through and he's doing really good. I can see he can see the grass. But so what I'm doing and I'm clicking and reinforcing for the grass when he puts his head forward again. So on this pass, he's doing great. And I'm clicking and reinforcing each time his head goes forward. So that is great. Okay. And this, that's perfect. Okay. So now I'm on the other side of the grass again. I'm giving him his magnitude reinforcement. Now, let me tell you what I saw there a bit with him. He, I could see him looking at the grass. So he was turning in to get food from me, but I could see he puts his head down a little bit and his eyes up and I could see he was eating but looking at the grass so i now am very aware that he's looking at the grass he knows the grass is there it was close enough that it was a challenge but not so close that i lost him so what i did i started shifting my timing a little bit so i made sure because i was kind of just feeding as we went and i'm kind of clicking as he's just walking kind of relaxed and this time i was making sure so I started clicking very clearly because sometimes in there, to be honest with you, I was just feeding as we we're going, thinking we're doing good. That's a good boy. You know, it's great. I'm feeding you. I wasn't saying good boy because I was talking to you, but I could just be feeding over where I want the head to be. As I saw his focus kind of shift to the grass a little bit, I made sure that I became very clear with my clicking when his head was, and even his focus a little bit was more on going forward not being interested in what was on the other side of me. So I, I kind of saw that shift in him 
So I made that little shift in my criteria a little bit to be sure I was being very clear that the piece I like is when you don't look at the grass, I like you to look forward and keep your head forward. So that was excellent. Now that was a little bit more challenging. We are going to, if I am going to have him, I'm going to ask him to walk at that same part, the same distance like we did. So now he's five feet from the grass. I'm not in between any longer. This puts him a couple feet closer as well as there's no kind of extra little protection there. But I felt like he towed the line. He got right in line and he walked forward. He's like, I got it. I'm doing it. And so I feel like this is a calculated risk. You know, I mean, he could go that he starts to go to the grass. If I feel like his, if he gets too interested, I'm going to kind of just shift our path slightly further away while still moving. But we're going to give this a whirl. Okay, so here we go. And I'm going to, I, I walked him on just a little bit further so we could have a little further in our approach to be sure that I feel like from this side, what I want is not his head so much going away from me. I would rather his head be forward or even his, it to be slightly his eye. I want his eye on me. So it doesn't mean his head has to turn all the way towards me, but I'm going to keep reinforcing. You know, when you're looking at your horse and you can see, you can tell when their eye is focused on something further away than you. And when it kind of comes back and their eye takes you back in, it's just a, it's a focus thing. I look at those eyes a lot. I do not work with sunglasses on because I want to be keeping eye contact, watching eye contact, them to know we have eye contact. And so I'm going to look for him to kind of be taking it back in. So it doesn't mean it has to feel like he's intensely looking at me, but I want to know that he's being very aware of me and my movements and what I'm doing. And I can sense when you can see it really, but it is a bit of a sense when it's a little extra further away and when it's a little closer to me in, in, in taking me in. So that's going to be the focus of this pass for me is keeping his head even slightly, I mean like an inch or so in my direction, but more importantly that I focus. Okay. So here we go. I'm starting a little further back. So I have a, a little bit of time to establish it before we get too close to the grass. I'm going to do the same thing where I'm starting with the grain, shifting to the grass and even start throwing in some treats with the grass. If, if I feel like that's more exciting, which I do for him is very exciting. And, and then we're going to get to the other side is my hope. Okay. And if he starts to feel like he's, he's starting to kind of lean and to go that direction, I'm just going to nonchalantly shift my walking to being a little bit further, kind of almost making a little bit of a leftish veer in my path. So it starts our path becomes a little further away. So we'll see. Okay, here we go. All right, so we're walking on. This is good. And right now I can see he's got his eye on me. So I'm going to click and feed him over there while we're walking. And now we're approaching the grass. So he's in a good place. I'm going to click and feed that right there because he kept his eye on me a bit. And we're going to walk on. I'm going to click and feed again pretty quick before he starts to feel this vacancy of grass in his mouth. So we're going to walk on. That was great. And now I'm going to give him just a beat where he slows down his chewing. So he does make a decision. Okay. And, and excellent. Okay. That was good. I'm going to reinforce and we're at the other end and I'm going to give him a jackpot reinforcement. 
So what I felt in there, he didn't, I didn't feel like he was going to go to the grass, but remember prevention is key at this point in time. If I didn't pay attention to the nuances, next thing I know my pony, I mean, cause that's what it feels like then is, you know, is got his nose buried in the grass. So I could see him kind of looking and I reinforced him as soon as he got back to me, he made a really good decision. So I clicked that decision for that eye to come back to my direction and I reinforced it quite a bit. As I said in there for a moment, and right now I'm just reinforcing him with the grass, with the carrots, with the apples, with the Cavalier crunchies, the things he likes. Okay, so what I'm gonna do right now, actually, I'm going to end the session. And the jackpot reinforcement is going to be me taking Murray to the grass. This may not be a good thing to do for your horse yet, that in this session, or that he, I can get him to lift his head pretty easily. So I'm not worried about that. If your horse is really just bent on diving in the grass, don't go to that point yet. I'd rather you give him a bunch of grass, fresh pick grass. Don't store the grass because that's no good because we don't want like clippings. We want it fresh pick. So I, you can put a bunch of fresh pick grass in a bucket on the other side of, you know, away from the grass. So you can give him the concept of having some grass, but without going there yet. But I feel pretty confident with Murray and his focus today and the history we had last year that I will get his head up. So what I wanted to do is say, I, I like that he made the decision to leave the grass to come back to me. It was a great opportunity to say, I see you paying attention to it. And look, you didn't go there, but I will take you over there. And he, by now, he does know the cue when I say grass and eat and point my head down, like my head goes, my finger goes, I point down and he knows he can eat the grass. So now I'm letting him just kind of have his fill of grass for a little bit, which is quite a good reinforcer for this exercise when your horse is ready. Okay, so as I said, I could feel that he was looking away or he was focused on it. I kept him kind of eating the whole time. And then towards the end, I gave him just a moment where he got to kind of chew that, that mouthful down a bit. And then he had a, a split second where he's thinking in his head, and maybe this is anthropomorphic, of course, he's thinking, I want more grass. But he chose to keep his head to me. His eye took me in. I said, that's perfect. I, I kind of went there just a little bit. I don't want to push it too hard because then he's going to take matters into his own hands. I just gave him a little bit. He looked to me. I could reinforce it and we could move on. And again, for Murray, this is not brand new stuff. This is a reminder of old stuff, but the grasping novel makes it an extra challenge. Okay. So that was great for me and Murray and our training session. Okay. I'm with him right now. I'm going to ask him, Murray up. Perfect. That was good. Down, eat. And so he lifted his head up. There was a moment where I could feel him being a little bit, I'm not gonna, and then he thought and he brought it back up. So that was, I couldn't be more pleased with that. I kind of thought, mm, you know, never know. So that was really good. I didn't have to go to kind of waiting or trying to use a target or pulling a little bit more, nothing. He just said, okay, I got it. And then I could point his head right back down and he's grazing. So I'm going to end this part of my session here. You may want to do a few more passes. You may have needed to do it further away. 
you find yourself, get yourself to a good place. If you need to put the grass on the ground someplace, uh, your, your fresh picked grass, be sure that he gets that and don't save it for tomorrow. That's not a good plan. <laughs> use that fresh grass now. So you can use it as you, you can even save it for when you pick that up and ask him to go away, which is what I'll do for Murray. I still have probably a third of a bucket of, of fresh grass. So when I ask him to leave this grass, I'm going to, uh, save that and feed it for our initial steps away from the grass. So that's perfect. Get yourself wrapped up, get yourself to a good place with your horse. And we will meet back in the classroom for more of uh, our little discussion of where we go from here and working on our homework. All right, of course, homework is very important, and we just touched the, the tip of this, this issue or challenge, I'll say. And so, of course, we need to have homework. We have places to get, and it's going to vary a little bit from person to person and situation to situation. So it's really an important part of the steps we take next to make this solidify and to practice this. Now, we talked about using grass because grass is a really special commodity for our horses, but also important. I also said that I had treats and I had feed. And I think that what's really important about that is it, we want to pick something that they like, but we also want to pick something that is good for our horses. And one of the things that I really enjoy is cavalor feed. Cavalor feed is a very as natural and minimally processed feed as we can really get in the United States here right now. So I really like the Cavalor feed because I feel like I'm doing good by my horse, but I also use the Cavalor treats, which they all, I haven't found a horse yet who hasn't liked them, but Cavalor is kind of an amazing company. So why don't we learn a little bit more about Cavalor and some of the things that make them so special. Cavalor is a horse feed supplement and care product company that was founded in Belgium 30 years ago and they have been producing feed for the U.S. market since 2012. Its nutrition is based in the way horses are meant to eat. Cavalier's philosophy is based around mimicking the horse's natural diet and how they would eat in the wild, while recognizing that the demands we put on them today are different than wild horses of long ago. One of the things I love about Cavalier is that their products are natural, backed by research and science, and are proven to be effective. That's why Cavalier was a feat of choice for over 100 riders in the most recent World Equestrian Games, for riders in every discipline and from countries around the world. Not only do they make feed, but they also have a complete line of supplements and care products. If you've struggled with any kind of nutritional issue with your horse, you know that all products don't really work as advertised. So that's why Cavalier's is unique. Their products don't make it to the market until they have been proven effective in making noticeable differences in the issue a horse is facing. A lot of times we have behavioral issues with horses, but a lot of these issues actually have a nutritional root. With the positive reinforcement or clicker training, we strive to help the horses to be truly happy. To me, part of that, that philosophy well, really a big part of that philosophy includes making sure I'm doing everything I can to ensure their emotional as well as physical well-being. There's no denying that a good diet is a huge factor in that equation. The best part of Cavalier's team is, it, is that they're so easy to work with. You can reach out to them through their website or Facebook page and a real live person will call you back to personally talk you through your horse's nutrition. Learn more about the products at www cavalor.us 
or reach out to them through their Facebook page, Cavalier North America. You'll be glad you did. Now, clearly, as I mentioned, Murray's going to be in a different place than your horses are. This isn't the newest uh, this newest exercise for him. He clearly needs this exercise because of where we are in this time of year. And he'll need it every year, really, a little reminder of what we're doing. But it is you're going to have different things for different places and different horses and for your different living environments or your different working environments. You know, if your horse goes out on grass all day long, grass isn't going to be quite as challenging. But sometimes it is. Also, I'm going to point point out sometimes grass, eating grass can be a bit of avoidance. So sometimes horses will go to the grass because eating grass is better than working. So sometimes even though they may be on grass a lot, eating the grass is kind of a a nice way to avoid engaging in work. So just be kind of think about that and watch that and think, does, does my horse fit into this? Is this avoidance or is it not? In any case, what it tells you is they find the grass more exciting than what you're asking them to do. And that's what we're really setting out to do with our horses is to make it more exciting to work with us and to focus on us and to choose to leave the grass. We will take care of you getting you to the grass, but really we're going to make the work I'm going to put that in air quotes to make the work be more fun than the grass. So now where would we go from here? So at the end, I ended um, my session in a little different place than some of you would. I talked earlier so I could have him eat grass and I felt pretty confident that he would listen to me asking him to walk away from the grass. And that was really important for me then to go, perfect, now back to the grass. So we want to kind of consider that and, and, and build up to that. If you have a horse who is really, really grass diving and, and is not going to listen to a little bit of a little tug that says lift your head, in the beginning, I'm going to say I gave, I didn't haul on, you know, like I wasn't hanging on Murray's head, but I kind of had to pull up a little bit in the very beginning, the first year I had to say, okay, head up, kind of get up, let's go. And as he would kind of relinquish is when I would go right back to it. So was there some aversive pressure in there? Yeah. I didn't do it to the point with Bugsy. I had to, I had to be full on aversive pressure. I had to be like, I have to plant my feet and chug your head up because it is too the, 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 it was kind of extraordinary circumstances with, with Murray. I didn't have to do all that much. I mean, if I just kind of said, Hey, come on, lift your head up. Let's go. As soon as he did, I could ask him for his head back down, which is also a good lesson unto itself is like, no, really lift your head up. I t- I'll take care of you. But if you have a horse who you do not feel that that is going to be very successful. And I also did use the target in, in the early stages too, because that was quite powerful for him. Um, I would definitely suggest using teaching a cue that says lift your head away from grass. So it's not saying this isn't a grass exercise yet. Take him to a play. I mean, just in the arena, in his paddock, in the cross ties, in the wherever, you know, you want to be in his stall. Ask him to, I would give a cue that says head up. And if you need to use a target to create that, you can. And then pretty soon you do, you know, you give the cue, present the target, give the cue, present the target, give the cue, present the target, reinforce it quite well. Cause we know that that behavior is going to be going to a place that is going to be 
you know, food wise kind of challenging. So I make sure that that behavior is pretty doggone strong before I take it on grass. So if I know I have a real grass diver, I'm going to be sure that I have that behavior as strong as we can. And when I can finally just go head up, I give the cue, whatever I want that to be. I usually do a tactile or not tactile, visual and an auditory. I want to have as many senses engaged in this process as possible. We'll give something they can see. I will give you know, a visual cue as well as my own body language. I kind of bring stand up to encourage them to follow me up. And then I will also say head up. So I have given them a lot of stimulus that's trying to strengthen that cue. Even though we may get the cue where we can just say head up and they will do it. When we go back to being challenged with the grass, I'm going to go back and assume that I'm going to lose some criteria. I'm going to do as much as I can. And I may even go back to backing it up with a target, but pretty soon you're going to give the cue and you're going to see him raise the head looking for the target. And that that's when we can start to fade the target. So we have some pieces you can do there to prepare for taking them actually to the grass. So that may be an exercise you may opt to work on separately with your horse to help get him in a more focused place to help set you both up for success as you head out to the grass. Now, as I said, just like with bugs, I mean, bugs is a good example of homework and steps we can take. I will, as I get them good at that, I will ask for head up. As soon as I get head up, I say head back down. And I do give a point down where I point down, I lean down, I say eat. When I say head up, I kind of have two fingers come up. You can use whatever cue you want. I have two fingers come up and I stand up. So it kind of encouraged them to follow my position as I stand up. And I, so I have the eat and I have the head up. So I will keep going between those two. And at first they happen pretty close together. And then I will say when it's very pretty good, I will say head up and you can use your own grass in there too. have grass in your side bucket. And, and I smoosh it. I have it full of grass in my side bucket so I can get big, healthy, easy bites full. And then I will repeat this process and repeat this process until I can have a little bit more time Then I can have time and then a step. And then I can, as I pointed out with bugs, I start looking, what do you like to eat? Where does the grass look better in what you've chosen? You've shown sometimes what I think looks like good grass. Clearly it's not as good for them because I'll see them avoiding that part. I'm like that looks really good to me, but I, I kind of look, what do you tend to gravitate towards? What do you tend to find the most reinforcing as far as I can tell? And I keep going there until we can walk around and eventually walk off of the grass and then back to the grass and then longer periods of time. And when I'm walking by grass to go home from a session, a lot of times I will walk past the grass and then make a U-turn and say, we'll go back to the grass so I can reinforce the, the choosing to walk by the grass with a grazing session. And also keep in mind, this is a little sidetrack, but keep in mind when we're first introducing spring grass to our horses, it can metabolically be a little bit challenging. So do it in small enough increments that you're not sending their little system out of whack. Anyway, so then when you have that worked out, the next thing I want to do is if you find a patch of grass, I want to be able to walk 
either make like a little U-turn on and off the grass without even having them go to the grass or walk across a small patch of grass, you know, 10, 15 feet, something kind of small enough. And then we can make that U-turn to get back to it. So we really are trying to teach them manners around the grass and focus to choose to focus on us over going for the grass. Now don't feel insulted if they find the grass more reinforcing than doing the sessions in the beginning, that is not unusual. It just means we need to up our ante and up our, our practice a little bit. So they realize you're going to get all the grass. Well, not all the grass, but you're going to get the grass that you can have right now. And, and trust me on that. We'll get you to it. So I hope that makes sense for you guys. I hope that gives you a little bit of plans and things you can try here at this point place. We don't have patches of grass that I can walk across. So that's not something I can do very easily, but we do have a patch that's been planted for grazing so I can take them on and back off. Another challenge I have too, is sometimes we'll get tails start growing in the grass. So I have to be sure that I can lift Murray. If he's headed towards a patch that is getting fox taily, that I can ask him to lift his head and walk away and go to this other area that isn't foxtails. So that's all just stuff to think about and, and your practical side of taking the behavior and training to the real world. Anyway, well, you can listen to this um, on this, this whole podcast series on most of your favorite podcast players. You can listen on the Horse Radio Network. You can also listen on my website. So with the Horse Radio Network app, that is a really way to, e easy way to be able to stay up with all your favorite podcasts. You can find it for your iPhone or your Android devices. Of course, it's free and very easy to use. And all you have to do, you just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. And then once you're there, I suggest you, you take a look around and visit. If you are not aware of them already, there's all sorts of fun shows on the Horse Radio Network. And I highly recommend you kind of peruse around and listen to a few of them. There's fun ones. There's serious ones. There's ones for different disciplines. It's just, it's a great way to go. And lots of great topics are covered on horseradionetwork.com is where you can find all the great shows there. And if you want to learn more about me, you can go to shaunacarish.com. You can go to vianovatrainingcenter.com or Vianova Training. And the Vianova Training will also take you to um, it is connected to my website because we are really one in the same. So you can, well, we're pieces of the same. So you can find my website there. So you can search Shauna Karish, you can search via Nova Training, and you can find, uh, learn more about me, more about what we're doing at Via Nova. And you can even sign up for our newsletter. And that'll really keep you in the loop of what we're doing, what we've got going on right now because of the coronavirus. We are not out there doing workshops or teaching clinics out in the field, but we will be again at some point in the future. So get signed up and you can keep um, abreast of what we have going on. And if you want to uh, listen to the the podcast, you can go again, you can find them on my website, but you can also find, I have my ask Shauna questions and you can find blog and you can just learn more about me as well as getting products. Okay. That's all a mouthful. So there you go. There's all sorts of researches for you to look into. And until next time you enjoy getting your horse on target. Bye.